The Autobiography of Goethe, Volume 1 by Johann von Goethe, translated by John Oxenford, Section 18. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Autobiography of Goethe, Volume 1 by Johann von Goethe, translated by John Oxenford, Section 18. Fifth Book, Part 3 but now a new pressure ensued for another approach from the market to the roemer gate had to be opened and a road of planks to be breached over it on which the train returning from the cathedral was to walk what passed within the cathedral the endless ceremonies which precede and accompany the anointing the crowning the dubbing of knighthood all this we were glad to hear told afterwards by those who had sacrificed much else to be present in the church the rest of us in the interim partook of a frugal repast for in this festal day we had to be contented with cold meat but on the other hand the best and oldest wine had been brought out of all the family cellars so that in this respect at least we celebrated the ancient festival in ancient style in the square the sight most worth seeing was now the bridge which had been finished and covered with orange and white cloth and we who had stared at the emperor first in his carriage and then on horseback were now to admire him walking on foot singularly enough the last pleased us the most for we thought that in this way he exhibited himself both in the most natural and in the most dignified manner older persons who were present at the coronation of francis i related that maria theresa beautiful beyond measure had looked on this solemnity from a balcony window of the frauenstein house close to the Römer as her consort returned from the cathedral in his strange costume and seemed to her so to speak like a ghost of charlemagne he had as if in jest raised both his hands and shown her the imperial globe the sceptre and the curious gloves at which she had broken out into immoderate laughter which served for the great delight and edification of the crowd which was thus honoured with the sight of the good and natural matrimonial understanding between the most exalted couple of Christendom. But when the Empress, to greet her consort, waved her handkerchief, and even shouted aloud, Filat, to him, the enthusiasm and exultation of the people was raised to the highest, so that there was no end to the cheers of joy now the sound of bells and the van of the long train which gently made its way over the many-coloured bridge announced that all was done the attention was greater than ever and the procession more distinct than before particularly for us since it now came directly up to us we saw both and the whole of the square which was thronged with people almost as if on a ground plan only at the end the magnificence was too much crowded 
for the envoys the hereditary officers the emperor and king under the canopy baldachin the three spiritual electors who immediately followed the scherfen and senators dressed in black the gold-embroidered canopy himmel all seemed only one mass which moved by a single will splendidly harmonious and thus stepping from the temple amid the sound of the bells beamed towards us as something holy a politico-religious ceremony possesses an infinite charm we behold earthly majesty before our eyes surrounded by all the symbols of its power but while it bends before that of heaven it brings to our minds the communion of both for even the individual can only prove his relationship with the deity by subjecting himself and adoring the rejoicings which resounded from the market-place now spread likewise over the great square and a boisterous vivat burst forth from thousands upon thousands of throats and doubtless from as many hearts for this grand festival was to be the pledge of a lasting peace which indeed for many a long year actually blessed germany several days before it had been made known by public proclamation that neither the bridge nor the eagle over the fountain was to be exposed to the people and they were therefore not as at other times to be touched this was done to prevent the mischief inevitable with such a rush of persons but in order to sacrifice in some degree to the genius of the mob persons expressly appointed went behind the procession loosened the cloth from the bridge wound it up like a flag and threw it into the air this gave rise to no disaster but to a laughable mishap for the cloth unrolled itself in the air and as it fell covered a larger or smaller number of persons those now who took hold of the ends and drew them towards them pulled all those in the middle to the ground enveloped them and teased them till they tore or cut themselves through and everybody in his own way had borne off a corner of the stuff made sacred by the footsteps of majesty i did not long contemplate this rough sport but hastened from my high position to all sorts of little steps and passages down to the great Römer stairs where the distinguished and majestic mass which had been stared at from the distance was to ascend in its undulating course the crowd was not great because the entrances to the city hall were well garrisoned and i fortunately reached at once the iron balustrades above now the chief personages ascended past me while their followers remained behind in the lower arched passages and i could observe them on the thrice broken stairs from all sides and at last quite close finally both their majesties came up father and son were altogether dressed like menachmi the emperor's domestic robes of purple-coloured silk richly adorned with pearls and stones 
as well as his crown sceptre and imperial orb struck the eye with good effect for all in them was new and the imitation of the antique was tasteful he moved too quite easily in his attire and his true-hearted dignified face indicated at once the emperor and the father the young king on the contrary in his monstrous articles of dress with the crown jewels of charlemagne dragged himself along as if he had been in a disguise so that he himself looking at his father from time to time could not refrain from laughing the crown which it had been necessary to line a great deal stood out from his head like an overhanging roof the dalmatica the stole well as they had been fitted and taken in by sewing presented by no means an advantageous appearance the sceptre and imperial orb excited some admiration but one would for the sake of a more princely effect rather have seen a strong form suited to the dress invested and adorned with it scarcely were the gates of the great hall closed behind these figures that i hurried to my former place which being already occupied by others i only regained with some trouble it was precisely at the right time that i again took possession of my window for the most remarkable part of all that was to be seen in public was just about to take place all the people had turned towards the home and a reiterated shout of vivat gave us to understand that the emperor and king in their vestments were showing themselves to the populace from the balcony of the great hall but they were not alone to serve as a spectacle since another strange spectacle occurred before their eyes first of all the handsome slender hereditary marshal flung himself upon his steed he had laid aside his sword in his right hand he held a silver-handled vessel and a tin spatula in his left he rode within the barriers to the great heap of oats sprang in filled the vessel to overflow smoothed it off and carried it back again with great dignity the imperial stable was now provided for the hereditary chamberlain then rode likewise to the spot and brought back a basin with ewer and towel but more entertaining for the spectators was the hereditary carver who came to fetch a piece of the roasted ox he also rode with a silver dish through the barriers to the large wooden kitchen and came forth again with his portion covered that he might go back to the homer now it was the turn of the hereditary cupbearer who rode to the fountain and fetched wine thus now was the imperial table furnished and every eye waited upon the hereditary treasurer who was to throw about the money he too mounted a fine steed to the sides of whose saddle instead of holsters a couple of splendid bags embroidered with the arms of the palatinate were suspended scarcely had he put himself in motion than he plunged his hands into these pockets 
and generously scattered right and left gold and silver coins which on every occasion glittered merrily in the air like metallic rain a thousand hands waved instantly in the air to catch the gifts but hardly had the coins fallen when the crowd tumbled over each other on the ground and struggled violently for the pieces which might have reached the earth as this agitation was constantly repeated on both sides as the giver rode forwards it afforded the spectators a very diverting sight it was most likely at the close when he threw out the bags themselves and everybody tried to catch this highest prize their majesties had retired from the balcony and another offering was to be made to the mob who on such occasions would rather steal the gifts than receive them tranquilly and gratefully the custom prevailed in more rude and uncouth times of giving up to the people on the spot the oats as soon as the hereditary marshal had taken away his share the fountain and the kitchen after the cup-bearer and the carver had performed their offices but this time to guard against all mischief order and moderation were preserved as far as possible but the old malicious jokes that when one filled a sack with oats another cut a hole in it with sallies of a kind were revived about the roasted ox a more serious battle was as usual waged on this occasion this could only be contested en masse two guilds the butchers and the wine porters had according to ancient custom again stationed themselves so that the monstrous roast must fall to one of the two the butchers believed that they had the best right to an ox which they provided entire for the kitchen the wine porters on the other hand laid claim because the kitchen was built near the abode of their guild and because they had gained the victory the last time the horns of the captured steers still projecting from the latticed gable window of their guild and meeting-house as a sign of victory both these companies had very strong and able members but which of them conquered this time i no longer remember but as a festival of this kind must always close with something dangerous and frightful was really a terrible moment when the wooden kitchen itself was made a prize the roof of it swarmed instantly with men no one knowing how they got there the boards were torn loose and pitched down so that one could not help supposing particularly at a distance that each would kill a few of those pressing to the spot in a trice the hut was unroofed and single individuals hung to the beams and rafters in order to pull them also out of their joinings nay many floated above upon the posts which had been already sawn off below and the whole skeleton moving backwards and forwards threatened to fall in sensitive persons turned their eyes away and everybody expected a great calamity but we did not hear of any mischief and the whole affair though impetuous and violent had passed off happily 
everybody knew now that the emperor and king would return from the cabinet whither they had retired from the balcony and feast in the great hall of the roma we had been able to admire the arrangements made for it the day before and my most anxious wish was if possible to look in to-day i repaired therefore by the usual path to the great staircase which stands directly opposite the door of the hall here i gazed at the distinguished personages who this day acted as the servants of the head of the empire forty-four counts all splendidly dressed passed me carrying the dishes from the kitchen so that the contrast between their dignity and their occupation might well be bewildering to a boy the crowd was not great but considering the little space sufficiently perceptible the hall door was guarded while those who were authorized went frequently in and out i saw one of the palatine domestic officials whom i asked whether he could not take me in with him he did not deliberate long but gave me one of the silver vessels he just then bore which he could do so much the more as i was neatly clad and thus i reached the sanctuary the palatine buffet stood to the left directly by the door and with some steps i placed myself on the elevation of it behind the barriers at the other end of the hall immediately by the windows raised on the steps of the throne and under canopies sat the emperor and king in their robes but the crown and sceptre lay at some distance behind them on gold cushions the three spiritual electors their buffets behind them had taken their places on single elevations the elector of mentz opposite their majesties the elector of treves at the right and the elector of cologne at the left this upper part of the hall was imposing and cheerful to behold and excited the remark that the spiritual power likes to keep as long as possible with the ruler on the contrary the buffets and tables of all the temporal electors which were indeed magnificently ornamented but without occupants made one think of the misunderstanding which had gradually arisen for centuries between them and the head of the empire their ambassadors had already withdrawn to eat in a side chamber and if the greater part of the hall assumed a sort of spectral appearance by so many invisible guests being so magnificently attended a large unfurnished table in the middle was still more sad to look upon for there also many covers stood empty because all those who had certainly a right to sit there had for appearance sake kept away that on the greatest day of honour they might not renounce any of their honour if indeed they were then to be found in the city neither my years nor the mass of present objects allowed me to make many reflections i strove to see all as much as possible and when the dessert was brought in and the ambassadors re-entered to pay their court i sought the open air and contrived to refresh myself with good friends in the neighbourhood 
after a day's half fasting and to prepare for the illumination in the evening this brilliant night i purposed celebrating in a right hearty way for i had agreed with gretchen and pylades and his mistress that we should meet somewhere at nightfall the city was already resplendent at every end and corner when i met my beloved i offered gretchen my arm we went from one quarter to another and found ourselves very happy in each other's society the cousins at first were also of our party but were afterwards lost in the multitude of people before the houses of some of the ambassadors where magnificent illuminations were exhibited those of the elector palatine were pre-eminently distinguished it was as clear as day lest i should be recognised i had disguised myself to a certain extent and gretchen did not find it amiss we admired the various brilliant representations and the fairy-like structures of flame by which each ambassador strove to outshine the others but prince esterhazy's arrangements surpassed all the rest our little company were enraptured both with the invention and the execution and we were just about to enjoy this in detail when the cousins again met us and spoke to us of the glorious illumination with which the brandenburg ambassador had adorned his quarters we were not displeased at taking the long way from the Rossmarkt horse market to the saalhof but found that we had been villainously hoaxed the saalhof is towards the mine a regular and handsome structure but the path in the direction of the city is exceedingly old irregular and unsightly small windows agreeing neither in form nor size neither in a line nor placed at equal distances gates and doors arranged without symmetry a ground floor mostly turned into shops it forms a confused outside which is never observed by any one now here this accidental irregular unconnected architecture had been followed and every window every door every opening was surrounded by lamps as indeed can be done with a well-built house but here the most wretched and ill-formed of all facades was thus quite incredibly placed in the clearest light did one amuse oneself with this as with the jests of the pagliasso footnote a sort of buffoon though not without scruple since everybody must recognise something intentional in it just as people had before glossed on the previous external deportment of bonplotto so much prized in other respects and when once inclined towards him had admired him as a wag who like his king would place himself above all ceremonies one nevertheless gladly returned to the fairy kingdom of esterhazy this eminent envoy to honour the day had quite passed over his own unfavourably situated quarters 
and in their stead had caused the great esplanade of linden trees in the horse market to be decorated in the front with a portal illuminated with colours and at the back with a still more magnificent prospect the entire enclosure was marked by lamps between the trees stood pyramids and spheres of light upon transparent pedestals from one tree to another were stretched glittering garlands on which floated suspended lights in several places bread and sausages were distributed among the people and there was no want of wine here now four abreast we walked very comfortably up and down and i by gretchen's side fancied that i really wandered in those happy elysian fields where they pluck from the trees crystal cups that immediately fill themselves with the wine desired and shake down fruits that change into every dish at will at last we also felt such a necessity and conducted by pylades we found a neat well-arranged eating-house when we encountered no more guests since everybody was going about the streets we were all the better pleased and passed the greatest part of the night most happily and cheerfully in the feeling of friendship love and attachment when i had accompanied gretchen as far as her door she kissed me on the forehead it was the first and last time that she granted me this favour for alas i was not to see her again the next morning while i was yet in bed my mother entered in trouble and anxiety it was easy to see when she was at all distressed get up she said and prepare yourself for something unpleasant it has come out that you frequent very bad company and have involved yourself in very dangerous and bad affairs your father is beside himself and we have only been able to get thus much from him that he will investigate the affair by means of a third party remain in your chamber and await what may happen councillor schneider will come to you he has the commission both from your father and from the authorities for the matter is already prosecuted and may take a very bad turn i saw that they took the affair for much worse than it was but i felt myself not a little disquieted even if only the actual state of things should be detected my old messiah loving friend finally entered with the tears standing in his eyes he took me by the arm and said i am heartily sorry to come to you on such an affair i could not have supposed that you could go astray so far but what will not wicked companions and bad example do thus can a young inexperienced man be led step by step into crime i am conscious of no crime i replied and as little of having frequented bad company the question now is not one of defence he said interrupting me but of investigation and on your part of an upright confession what do you want to know retorted i he seated himself drew out a paper and began to question me have you not recommended n n to your grandfather as a candidate for the blank 
place? I answered yes. Where did you become acquainted with him? In my walks. In what company? I hesitate, for I would not willingly betray my friends. Silence will not do now, he continued, for all is sufficiently known. What is known then, said I? that this man has been introduced to you by others like him. In fact, by... Here he named three persons whom I had never seen nor known, which I immediately explained to the questioner. You pretend, he resumed, not to know these men, and have yet had frequent meetings with them. Not in the least, I replied, for, as I have said, except the first, I do not know one of them and even him I have never seen in a house. Have you not often been in blank street? Never, I replied. This was not entirely conformable to the truth. I had once accompanied Pylades to his sweetheart who lived in that street, but we had entered by the back door and remained in the summer house. I therefore supposed that I might permit myself the subterfuge that I had not been in the street itself. The good man put more questions, all of which I could answer with a denial, for of all that he wished to learn I knew nothing. At last he seemed to become vexed and said, You repay my confidence and goodwill very badly. I come to save you. You cannot deny that you have composed letters for these people themselves, or for their accomplices, have furnished them writings, and have thus been accessory to their evil act. For the question is of nothing less than of forged papers, false wills, counterfeit bonds, and things of the sort. I have come not only as a friend of the family, I come in the name and by order of the magistrates, who in consideration of your connections and youth would spare you and some other young persons who, like you, have been lured into the net. I have thought it strange that among the persons he named, none of those with whom i had been intimate were found the circumstances touched without agreeing and i could still hope to save my young friends but the good man grew more and more urgent i could not deny that i had come home late many nights that i had contrived to have a house he made that i had been seen at public places more than once with persons of low rank and suspicious looks that some girls were mixed up in the affair. In short, everything seemed to be discovered but the names. This gave me courage to persist steadfastly in my silence. Do not, said my excellent friend, let me go away from you. The affair admits of no delay. Immediately after me another will come who will not grant you so much scope. Do not make the matter which is bad enough worse by your obstinacy i represented very vividly to myself the good cousins particularly gretchen i saw them arrested tried punished disgraced and then it went through my soul like a flash of lightning that the cousins though they always observed integrity towards me might have engaged in such bad affairs 
at least the oldest, who never quite pleased me, who came home later and later, and had little to tell of a cheerful sort. Still I kept back my confession. Personally, said I, I am conscious of nothing evil, and can rest satisfied on that side but it is not impossible that those with whom I have associated may have been guilty of some daring or illegal act. They may be sought, found, convicted, punished. I have hitherto nothing to reproach myself with, and will not do any wrong to those who have behaved well and kindly to me. He did not let me finish, but exclaimed with some agitation, Yes, they will be found out. These villains met in three houses, he named the streets, he pointed out the houses, and unfortunately among them was the one I used to frequent. The first nest is already broken up, and at this moment so are the two others. In a few hours the whole will be clear. Avoid by a frank confession, a judicial inquiry, a confrontation, and all other disagreeable matters. The house was known and marked. Now I deemed silence useless. Nay, considering the innocence of our meetings, I could hope to be still more useful to them than to myself. Sit down, I exclaimed, fetching him back from the door. I will tell all, and at once lighten your heart and mine. Only one thing I ask. Henceforth let there be no doubt of my veracity. I soon told my friend the whole progress of the affair, and was at first calm and collected. But the more I brought to mind and pictured to myself the persons, objects, and events, so many innocent pleasures and charming enjoyments, and was forced to depose as before a criminal court, the more did the most painful feeling increase, so that at last I burst forth in tears, gave myself up to unrestrained passion. The family friend, who hoped that now the real secret was coming to light, for he regarded my distress as a symptom that I was on the point of confessing the repugnance something monstrous, sought to pacify me as, with him, the discovery was the all-important matter. In this he only partly succeeded, but so far, however, that I could eke out my story to the end. Though satisfied of the innocence of the proceedings, he was still doubtful to some extent, and put further questions to me, which excited me afresh, and transported me with pain and rage. I asserted finally that I had nothing more to say, and well knew that I need fear nothing, for I was innocent, of a good family, and well reputed, but that they might be just as guiltless without having it recognized or being otherwise favored i declared at the same time that if they were not spared like myself that if their follies were not regarded with indulgence and their faults pardoned that if anything in the least harsh or unjust happened to them i would do some violence to myself and no one should prevent me in this, too, my friend tried to pacify me, but I did not trust him, and was, when he quitted me at last, in a most terrible state. 
i now reproached myself for having told the affair and brought all the positions to light i foresaw that our childlike actions our youthful inclinations and confidences would be quite differently interpreted and that i might perhaps involve the excellent pylades in the matter and render him very unhappy all these images pressed vividly one after the other before my soul sharpened and spurred my distress so that i did not know what to do for sorrow i cast myself at full length upon the floor and moistened it with my tears i know not how long i may have lain when my sister entered was frightened at my gestures and did all that she could to comfort me she told me that a person connected with the magistracy had waited below with my father for the return of the family friend and that after they had been closeted together for some time both the gentlemen had departed had talked to each other with apparent satisfaction and had even laughed she believed that she had heard the words it is all right the affair is of no consequence indeed i broke out the affair is of no consequence for me for us for i have committed no crime and if i had they would contrive to help me through but the others the others i cried who will stand by them my sister tried to comfort me by circumstantially arguing that if those of higher rank were to be saved a veil must also be cast over the faults of the more lowly all this was of no avail she had scarcely left when i again abandoned myself to my grief and ever recalled alternately the images both of my affection and passion and of the present and possible misfortune i repeated to myself tale after tale saw only unhappiness following unhappiness and did not fail in particular to make gretchen and myself truly wretched the family friend had ordered me to remain in my room and have nothing to do with any one but the family this was just what i wanted for i found myself best alone my mother and sister came to see me from time to time and did not fail to assist me vigorously with all sorts of good consolation nay even on the second day they came in the name of my father who was now better informed to offer me a perfect amnesty which indeed i gratefully accepted but the proposal that i should go out with him and look at the insignia of the empire which were now exposed to the curious i stubbornly rejected and i asserted that i wanted to know nothing either of the world or of the roman empire till i was informed how that distressing affair which for me would have no further consequences had turned out for my poor acquaintance they had nothing to say on this head and left me alone yet the next day some further attempts were made to get me out of the house and excited me a sympathy for the public ceremonies in vain neither the great gala day nor what happened on the occasion of so many elevations of rank nor the public table of the emperor and king in short nothing 
could move me the elector of the palatinate might come and wait upon both their majesties these might visit the electors the last electoral sitting might be attended for the dispatch of business in arrear and the renewal of the electoral union nothing could call me forth from my passionate solitude let the bells ring for the rejoicings the emperor repair to the capuchin church the electors and emperor depart without on that account moving one step from my chamber the final cannonading immoderate as it might be did not arouse me and as the smoke of the powder dispersed and the sound died away so had all this glory vanished from my soul i now experienced no satisfaction except in ruminating on my misery and in a thousandfold imaginary multiplication of it my whole inventive faculty my poetry and rhetoric had pitched on this diseased spot and threatened precisely by means of this vitality to involve body and soul into an incurable disorder in this melancholy condition nothing more seemed to me worth a desire nothing worth a wish an infinite yearning indeed seized me at times to know how it had gone with my poor friends and my beloved what had been the result of a stricter scrutiny how far they were implicated in those crimes or had been found guiltless this also i circumstantially painted to myself in the most various ways and did not fail to hold them as innocent and truly unfortunate sometimes i longed to see myself freed from this uncertainty and wrote vehemently threatening letters to the family friend insisting that he should not withhold from me the further progress of the affair sometimes i tore them up again from the fear of learning my unhappiness quite distinctly and of losing the principal consolation with which hitherto i had alternately tormented and supported myself thus i passed both day and night in great disquiet in raving and lassitude so that i felt happy at last when a bodily illness seized me with considerable violence and they had to call in the help of a physician and think of every way to quiet me they supposed that they could do it generally by the sacred assurance that all who were more or less involved in guilt had been treated with the greatest forbearance that my dearest friends being as good as innocent had been dismissed with a slight reprimand and that gretchen had retired from the city and had returned to her own home they lingered the most over this last point and i did not take it in the best part for i could discover in it not a voluntary departure but only a shameful banishment my bodily and mental condition was not improved by this my distress now only augmented and i had time enough to torment myself by picturing the strangest romance of sad events and an inevitably tragical catastrophe End of section eighteen.